those tiny little things where it is almost negligible add up tremendously. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up, reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. everybody. I'm absolutely beside myself today with excitement on Beyond Retirement because my guest is the Lord High Imperator of Existence, known and unknown. How can you beat that? I've heard a rumor, though, that he's also sometimes called Joe Templin, and he's the author of the book Everyday Excellence, The Guide to Growing. I can't wait to hear what he's going to tell us. Thanks for joining me, Joe. Jackie, I'm looking forward to this, and thank you for using my official title that I gave myself when I was 15 years old. (laughs) Well, Your Highness, I think it's a wonderful title, and I think that everyone deserves something like that to get them through the day. And, you know, it also gives me something to work towards to be worthy of that title overall. And so that is one of the things that is critical in terms of pre-retirement. You know, people have this goal, something that they're focused on working towards. But all too often, people reach the end the end, which is not how it should be called, uh, you know, they hit retirement and they're like, what do I do now? And that is actually one of the biggest reasons for mental and physical decline after retirement is not having that next goal to work towards. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's why we're here to make sure that people realize that there is so much more out there and so many more things to strive for. <clears throat> I like to start all of my interviews by getting just a kind of a brief summary or background of who you are and how you got to where you are today, because I found over the course of the interviews that most people don't end up where they start out aiming for. They they kind mm-hmm. of veer off onto another path somewhere along mm-hmm. the way. And it's always interesting. So I started college when I was 13 because my parents said 12 was too young to start college. And my <laughs> goal was I wanted to be a mad scientist and an author and consultant. So I've hit a couple of those. Um, I actually got my degree in applied physics. I worked for the Department of Defense, advanced research projects, doing some really cool advanced research. Um, But then I drifted into finance because one, I was always good with math. And so of course, when you're good with math and you like money, you have to get a little bit of exposure to finance. But we ended up losing the family farm because of lack of planning when my godfather died unexpectedly. And so I went and became a financial planner for 10, 15 years. And as I was doing that, I focused mainly on people just getting started, people fresh out of college, getting them off on the right foot because it's a lot easier to take somebody who's 22 years old and doesn't have a lot of bad habits and start correcting them so that they have time on their side as opposed to taking somebody 45 and who is really 
pretty far behind the eight ball or somebody who's like 64 and like, I want to retire next week. And it's like, yeah, your retirement can last about a week because of the lack of planning. So that's why I started working with people like that. Um, my background is also I'm a martial artist and ultra runner. So performance psychology led to uh, sales psychology, led to um, behavioral economics in a lot of ways. And so I evolved to the point where I was training other financial planners. And I still go on and consult with many organizations and do a lot of teaching around that. And the book, Everyday Excellence, is just an evolution of that over years and decades, essentially, of how do we unlock the human potential on a much more consistent basis. And so that's what Everyday Excellence truly is, is a multivitamin for life, simply because we have so many components that get overlooked. Okay. I'm just writing down, unlock human potential. I like that. <clears throat> so the... <laughs> This season in Beyond Retirement, I'm trying to focus on the concepts of freedom, confidence, generosity, planning. Just They're just kind of nebulous ideas that I came up with for mm -hmm. things that I think people should be maybe thinking about as they move along their, their path, because there's no real end point. So planning is always, you know, kind of there in the distance. Right. I think with the, with the, the things that you want to talk about today, I think that we're aiming more along the lines of confidence, perhaps, but I think planning is a is a big part of it. As you said, you you know when you start the planning, is a big factor in how successful you are at the end of the road. Yeah. So, um, I think just I'd like to just kind of start with the idea of confidence and and what you're teaching people how it can uh, how it can affect their confidence. So it comes down to having a plan that allows you to be able to be successful under various scenarios. I've seen plans put together by other financial planners where the assumptions, if there's any variation in terms of what the market does, what tax rates do, how long somebody stays with the company, changing the pension plan, what have you, then the, the plan is completely sunk versus I went to an engineering school and so we over-design everything. So we look at the different assumptions, you know, we make sure that there's a variety of options so that even if things don't go right, we have plan Bs and C and D internally built yeah. into the main plan so that we still have flexibility and people are going to be okay. And so it's working with them over time so that they understand that. And as they're getting towards that point where we move from accumulation to distribution and being able to retire, you know, I have a lot of clients who are like, you know what? I'm not going to retire because I don't want to. I can, but I don't have to. And especially among intellectual professionals. So I do a lot of work with professors, uh, researchers, you know, other nerds like me, uh, attorneys, small business owners. They get to the point where they're like, you know, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm going to slow down on that. But it's not going to be a full stop simply because if you look at what the gerontologists say, there's a couple of components of making sure that you maintain your physical and mental health and strength in retirement. It's your social connections. It's having some form of meaningful work. And for a lot of people, that can be charity. But if you're an intellectual professional, you can keep working, keep consulting, mentor people, you know, contribute in those ways and your physical health. So, for example, my father is in his early 80s. He retired at uh, age 80 because of COVID, because he's like, eh, I might as well retire now. 
uh, because it, you know it's just become difficult to work. It's not fun and everything. My dad picked up bridge. A is a competitive bridge player, incredibly competitive, like on a super regional basis. He has his uh, involvement in his church. He's got his grandchildren. He's got all sorts of social connections. And we need to do a little bit more work on the physical side because he plays golf, but he needs a little bit more activity than that. But I mean, my dad in his early 80s is still incredibly sharp. My advisor for my master's work is in his early 90s and the, the school forced him to retire at 90. Wow. And he's still, you know, showing up because they he made him keep keep giving him an office. So he shows up and he keeps doing work even though he's not getting paid for it. It's because <laughs> it is intellectually stimulating and it's the social connections with other professors and students and his natu natural inquisitiveness. So he's going to you know, four or five seminars a week on campus when they actually have things like that. And so is things like that that are going to keep you successful on multiple levels in that new stage of things. So my friend, Tom Hegna, who's a very well-known retirement expert in the United States, lectures on this, talks about the fact that in the early stages of retirement, every day is a Saturday. And if every day is a Saturday and you're just sitting there drinking margaritas, then you know, your life you know, deteriorates pretty quickly. But if it's something where you've got continued structure, where you've got meaning, where you've got connections, where you're pushing yourself still physically somewhat. That's how you're going to have not only the most enjoyable retirement, but the healthiest and longest one too. Yeah, and that's that seems to be key in, in what everyone says. <clears throat> you've got to keep your body moving. You've got to keep your brain going if you want to continue. I mean, maybe sitting on the beach drinking margaritas is a great way to go. And if it's going to be short, well, I'm on the beach with margaritas. Yeah. But yeah, there are I mean, other if, things if, to if do. You're, if you can say, all right, I'm going to do that for three days, then I'm going to go and like check out pyramids and do all this other stuff and you know stimulate myself. I'm going to uh, exactly. you know, swim or whatever, get all the physical component, and then you know what, I'm going to you know go back home or wherever retirement is, and I'll come back to the the beach again in a month so I can appreciate it because. My friends who live in San Diego, you know, they're like, tomorrow's another beautiful day. So there's not the pressure to enjoy it the way that, that is. I live in the Northeast and it's going to snow tomorrow again. I mean, so 70 degrees two days ago, snow tomorrow. So we appreciate the cycles more having that variety. And so having some form of work, even if it's taking classes at a local community college, that intersperse with the other components makes you appreciate the relaxation more. And so, yeah, that first week, month right after retirement, go nuts, but then get on some form of plan, some sort of structure, have other meaningful things in it so that you can then, when you do go to you know happy hour or go out to dinner or whatever, you appreciate it that much more. Okay. And that makes that makes sense. I mean, it's it's important, I think, when you finish whatever your main life business is, to take a break, relax, put a, you know, kind of a de delineation there that, you know, that is over. And, yeah. But then you got to move on, you've got to do something. You, you need to go to the next chapter. And this is one of the things yeah. that 
people should be exploring well in advance. So I have friends who are my age. I'm about to turn 50. God, I can. Uh, I'm leveling up to uh, 30, 20. I still think I'm in my 30s. So, uh, you know, their kids are getting ready to graduate from college. So uh, they've been working at a university for, at this point, 30 years almost. So they're in a position where they could retire in three or four years. And we're already having those discussions as to what are they going to do so that they don't go crazy sitting around? How are they going to fill their time? How are they going to shift gears and find something meaningful to them so that they have a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to go to bed, a reason to look forward to things so that it, there is not the monotony because you know where else that you get, you know, entertainment and meals and everything taken care of you prison retirement yeah. <laughs> prison and retirement. So yep. if, if you need having something that you can look forward to work towards is the, one of the critical components of being able to maintain your mind and your desire and, you know, the youthful enthusiasm in a lot of ways. This is one of the reasons why grandkids are so good because, you know, they end up giving this shot of chaos and you know, uh, grandparents can see them grow and then they can like ship them back off. It's like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> yep. Go home now. <laughs> In your book or actually on your website, you make the comment that, um, Basically, the bottom line of everyday excellence is that convenience has a cost and cost compounds. Yes. So um, and because of that, your the idea of convenience and the idea of excellence are are basically uh, diametrically opposite there. You know, you, you can't you can't have both of them at the same time. Exactly. Do you ever choose the convenience route? Oh, you have to, because I mean, I'm not a machine. I, you know, we all slow down, we all break down. So like, I actually took uh, Friday off last week, my first day off in since last year, actually. But my day off was going to the family cabin and moving log piles and uh, taking care of stuff like that to help my dad out. And I still, you know, did a little bit of writing and all that while I was there, but I didn't wear a tie. You know, I slept in until five o'clock in the morning Yes, I am an early, early riser, always have been. Um, so, you know, I, I'm like, you know what? It's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go for a run now because I can. Okay. So I, you know, I decreased the pressure around it. And um, one of the things I talk about in terms of convenience versus excellence, you know, it's really convenient or and easy to have the donut. You're going to pay for it down the road. You know, with you know, blood pressure, diabetes, all these things, nine out of 10 leading, leading causes of death in the United States actually are lifestyle related. So, you know, if you're choosing the harder, more excellent route regularly in terms of your diet and all that, you can have the occasional dessert. You can have the occasional sport. In fact, you appreciate it more having that donut after not having any donuts for a month. Yeah. So... Never taking the easy path is not what I'm trying to teach people, but consistently making the slightly more difficult decision, having that deferred compensation. So like when we're talking with young people about uh, saving for the future, it's like, you know what, instead of having eight beers today, have 
two beers, set the rest aside, and you can have all the beer you want down the road. Am I saying completely, you know, live a Spartan existence? No, but rein it in a little bit so that you don't have to take a step down, down the road. So the convenience of eating cheeseburgers, which I love cheeseburgers too, by the way, um, <laughs> and, you know, sitting on your butt instead of eating healthy and going and running or working out every single day, it's convenient and it feels good now, but it leads to worse results. It's going to cause heart problems. It's going to cause uh, medical costs. So the tremendous amount of medical costs in the last couple of years of life, a lot of that is because of decisions that were made earlier on. And so as my Taekwondo master taught me years ago, we dig our grave with our teeth. So having better choices, uh, the old strong man, Jack LaLanne, said you need to convince yourself that a sweet pepper tastes as good as a chocolate bar. And so do you never have chocolate bars? Well, Jack LaLanne never did, but I mean, he was <laughs> Jack LaLanne. Uh, but, you know, having the better choice on a regular basis, one, when you have that splurge, when you have the dessert, when you take the trip, when you do the fun thing, you appreciate it more than somebody who's just living in that hedonistic phase the entire time. And it allows you to be able to then be physically, mentally, emotionally stronger for much longer term. So that's the whole idea behind convenience versus excellence is make the little bit harder choice right along and you'll be able to make much better choices down the road. So this is kind of a, a long drawn out question. Um, that same kind of concept, I've read it in a number of different books, a number of different people have presented it. Um, the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, because he talks about um, you make choices that seem small or insignificant and you know each day the choice is nothing but over time it either nope. takes you up or it takes you down same same kind of idea um and the overall effect is is the same either you know at the end of your life you look and you say wow i made a bunch of really bad choices or hey you know life turned out pretty good yep. um and then the next one i read was um the slight edge by jeff olson same okay. idea. Yep. He talks about those same seemingly insignificant changes or decisions that you make. And yeah, that I talk either... about the micro decisions. Yeah. Because I'm a big comic book fan. As you can see, I got a bunch of Thor behind me and everything. But in the movie Deadpool 2, uh, Colossus tells Deadpool four or five moments. Four or five moments determine if somebody's a hero or a villain. And they're talking big moments. But everybody makes somewhere around 10,000 micro decisions every single day. Right. And so if we can make four or five small choices better, you know, instead of just, you know, sitting on your butt and watching that TV show, get up and, you know, do a couple of calisthenics while watching the TV show. All right. You know, walk around a little bit, you know, eat slightly healthier, you know, um, don't buy the junk food. So it's not your house. So you can make the better decision relatively easy. So it's those four or five little choices every single day that determine whether your arrow is pointing up or down for the day, whether it's a plus or a minus for the day. And if you have too many negative days, guess what? You're going down a bad path. And, you know, that's how you get the health issues down the road. This is how you get the mental issues down the road. This is where 
you have financial problems. It's where you can have relationship issues because you're taking the thing that feels good in the moment, the easy choice, but it ends up being negative overall and pointing you down. So making those couple of different better choices on a regular basis changes the curve dramatically. So an example that I use is, you know, if you eat poorly and don't exercise, I mean, it's not even a big deal, just, you know, a couple of choices throughout the day of having, you know, the donut, you know, uh, you know, having the dessert, not walking around the block, little things like that. That could be 100 calories a day. 100 calories a day over a year is 10 pounds. Yep. Okay. So the 10 pounds is enough to cause a significant difference in terms of the stress on your heart, stress on your knees, back issues, things like that. Now, let's say that you compound that out over three, four years. That's why we see people putting on 40 or 50 pounds in a decade is because of so many small suboptimal choices. And it's just that easy to start making better ones. You know, one of the easy choices that one of my friends who ended up losing like 30 pounds is, is like he has a pint of water before each meal and he drinks water. And after every bite, he has to put his fork and knife down, finish chewing, have a sip of water, put it back down. Then he can pick up the implements. That change, only that caused him to lose 30 pounds over a two-year Wow. Yeah, so those it's a it's a very small change in behavior with a huge difference in outcome. Exactly. So though those examples actually go in to the what I was um getting to with uh with um James Clear. Or no, Jeff Olson. He uh he says the decisions are either easy to do or easy not to do. And yep. Now you've got to decide because the the easy to do things have a bad effect sometimes, and the not easy to do things, if you push through, will have a good effect. That's the you know get up and go for a walk. Um, but then moving on with that same idea about the uh, putting your knife and fork down with every bite, that sort of thing, it goes into what James Clear talks about with Atomic Habits about making those little things, making those small simple behaviors into habits, so you don't think about them anymore. And they're going to change your life. I am and- a huge fan of James Clear. And in fact, I have used James Clear. Uh, I used it in terms of writing the book. So every single morning I would get up, I'd have my half cup of coffee. I'd turn on the coffee pot. So that's ready to go because I prepped it the night before. So I was setting up to have success. I would sit down, brain dump whatever was in my brain. Because when we sleep, we process additional stuff. I would read Daily Stoic by... Uh, Ryan Holiday. Since the book's done, I'm now reading The Daily Laws by Robert Greene, and I actually read my book every single day and do my action item. And then I would go and I would work out for 20 minutes. I would sit down, I would write, I'd write at least two pages of the book every single morning. And as I said, I started at 4.30 in the morning. So by six o'clock in the morning, I was already more productive than most people are in an entire day. And it's just a matter of making habits. And so I just stacked the habits on. So when I was writing the book, it was very easy to add that habit on because I did everything leading up to that. And in fact, when I, after I finished the book, the next morning, I'm like, oh, time to sit down and write. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh my God, what am I going to do? So that's literally like (laughs) the first day of retirement. I don't have to get up. I don't have to put on a tie. I don't have to go to the office. What am I going to do? So 
I actually floundered for a couple of days on purpose because, you know, I've been pushing so hard. I'm like, right, I'm going to be sort of, you know, rudderless on this component of my life for a couple of days just to feel what it's like. And then I rolled into having other components that I replaced that particular writing with to maintain good habits moving forward. So some of my clients who have retired in the past few years, they still get up on, you know, at a regular time every single day. It's not the 5.30 in the morning they got up for work. It's now 6.30. But they get up and they've added in exercise every single morning because they can. And so it's doing those little things that create some structure around your day that lead to better overall outcomes. Right. That's that's the same. I mean, for me, I get up at five every morning and I exercise because I started work at seven. So I had to get all these things out of the way before I started work. So now I finally finished my last day of work. I don't have to start at seven. I'm still getting up every day at five. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well do those exercises, get them out of the way. And then, you know, I've got that extra time now to do what I want to do, which is great. Right. And so, you know, what, have you put together like the reading list of the books that you want to get done this year? Have you put together yep. the, you know, um, great movies that you want to see or the albums that you want to listen to? So this is one of the things that uh, my friend George recently retired and we've talked about this. And so once a month, I, we talk and it's like, oh, you know, I watched this movie. You should you know, watch it for this reason. I saw this one. This one was not good for this reason. And so it, it's a new phase, but it gives him something to still look forward to and work. And so, you know, he's got yeah. like a regular movie night now that's built into his schedule so that he can watch some of these things. He's working his way through the best pictures from the past 30 years. So things like this. It might seem sort of stupid, but you know what? If, if you're going to work through the best pictures one a week for uh, uh, a year or two, you know that gives you at least a bridge of time. One, you're ex uh, continuing to expand your mind, and two, when you finish it, you can say, "I accomplished this," and it's expanded your knowledge and horizons to the point where you then can figure out what's the next thing that you're going to work on. Right. So you talked a little bit, let's or mentioned your book. Let's talk a little bit about what it is. It's it's a got a workbook component in it. You've got actionable items every day that people are supposed to do. Um, what kind of things are in it? What what do you have people doing? So one of the things that looking at lots of other you know self-help type books out there is that in a lot of ways they're theoretical. They tell you, you know, these ideas or these discussions, but there's very little translation from concept to actually doing things. And the Stoics talk about not being a pen and ink philosopher, but just actually doing, like living what you're supposed to do. So uh, the structure of the book is every day we take a quote from somebody, it could be Muhammad Ali, could be Oprah Winfrey, you know, Einstein's a big one. So we take a quote and then we have discussion and analysis around it and the various parameters, whether it's uh, relationships, personal health, physical health, mental health, nutrition, education, all these different components. But then there's an action item every single day where it's forcing you to do something. And I've been thinking about this actually. And my favorite action item is smile at five people today. And the reason why that is my favorite is there's a lot of uh, psychology behind it. 
when you smile, see, I got you to smile. One, <laughs> it actually uh, decreases the cortisol in your system. So it makes you more relaxed. Cortisol is the stress hormone and it actually accelerates the aging process in the body. So when you smile, you actually slow down the aging process personally. You also release serotonin, dopamine, all these other things, the happy chemicals. Now, because of the mirror neurons and the neurocortex, when I smile at you, you want to smile too. So I have literally given you the gift of health and happiness for a moment without it costing me anything, without it taking basically any of my time. And if you're smiling at five people throughout the day, you're going to be more productive, you're going to be happier, you're going to be healthier as we talked about. But those people that you're reaching, they get all sorts of benefits too. We talked a little bit about the decrease in cortisol, but when you smile and laugh, you're actually slightly more intelligent and creative for a period of between five and 15 minutes. So by getting somebody else to smile, you are actually improving their day in a lot of different ways. And they're more likely to smile at somebody else now just because that's human nature. So smiling at people, you know, I feel sort of like, I like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. Uh, But if you can get people to laugh and enjoy and be happier, it spreads out throughout the community. And you have no clue how it's ultimately going to maybe ripple or rebound back to you or throughout, you know, your small environment to help other people out. So that's one of the little things that, you know, uh, if you read any of the analyses on gratitude and things like that, it makes you healthier. It decreases your stress levels. Um, you know, it helps actually increase neuroplasticity. So it's one of those almost like super uh, exercises. So smiling so and trying to bring joy to other people brings even more joy to yourself. And it has this just, you know, you can't even measure the positive impact that it has in the world. Oh, it's fabulous. So um, I'm going to kind of start to wrap things up a little bit. Oh, I'm having fun. <laughs> so am I. And actually, I could listen to you talk about the different little micro decisions for hours. What would you suggest? What would be your, um, oh, what's the word I want? What um, advice? What would be your advice to the listeners to start making changes in their life today based on the things that you do? The changes should be so small that they're almost not noticeable to you. Xenocytium was the founder of Stoicism, and he said that well-being is made up of small steps, but it is no little thing. So those tiniest possible decisions that you can make, the little things like, okay, have a shopping list before you go shopping and buy less junk food. Okay, You do that for a couple of shopping trips in a row, you're going to have less junk food in the house because you work your way through it. And you're going to start making some healthier eating decisions. You know, um, deciding I'm going to get a Fitbit or whatever. So I get a feedback mechanism. So I'm going to increase my physical activity a little bit. Don't try and go out and run a marathon or an ultra or anything like that. Just a little bit. If you're averaging like, you know, 3,000 steps right now a day, you know what? Bump it up a little bit. Try and get to 3,300. You know, take the stairs instead of taking the elevator if you can. 
park 15 feet further. So you have to walk an additional 15 steps in and 15 steps out. Those tiny little things where it is almost negligible add up tremendously. Perfect. And people can find you and find your book at your website. It's also on Amazon way. and you know all the other places where books are sold. Um, you okay. can go to the website everyday-excellence.com. Uh, we put up a micro blog six days a week so people can get another quick little hit of insight. They can also follow me on Twitter or join the Facebook group. Those are both at EDE with Joe. That's at EDE for Everyday Excellence with Joe. That's me. Lord High Imperator, not Joe. Because exactly. <laughs> it's too long to type on out. It's not as memorable. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Joe. It's been a, a pleasure ch- chatting with you. And I've really enjoyed all the things that you've, uh, that you've shared with us today. I think the uh, listeners probably will get a lot out of it. Jackie, thank you. Hopefully I was able to add some value. Be excellent and grow today. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.